How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. An Erio's original. Don't be so despondent that you're not the most beautiful girl or man in class. It's like there's so much more out there because you're not this sort of perfect thing. Whenever I got to tell somebody like, oh, hey, I use they, them pronouns, by the way. Mm -hmm. And I usually try to do it that casually. Yeah. And also, I care about our relationship. Otherwise, I wouldn't be saying anything. It's taking over my dreams, waking me out of my sleep. I think I'm coming apart. Welcome to The Margaret Show, where we talk to people you know and people you should know. Here's my conversation with the Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter, Shirley Manson. I mean, we're sort of peers. I was looking you up on the internet last mm-hmm, night. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize because you everybody seems so much younger to me. Like you seem so much younger than, but we're kind of, we were born around the yeah, same time. Yeah, we are, we are. Can yeah. I just say, by the way, that I am fangirling out just a little I bit while fan- I'm looking at you and how beautiful you are. Like You are beautiful. <laughs> I'm dying. I know I'm like being a fangirl, but I had to say it. Because it's, it's really surreal to when yeah. you've seen somebody for so long, mm-hmm. all through your career, like you and mm-hmm. and you've made me laugh a billion times and um you've said things that I've I'm so grateful to you for saying out loud oh. in public and to be sitting opposite you is really surreal yeah well, I love it thank <laughs> you I, I feel the same way I'm such a fan Thanks, Margaret for so long we do have like a lot in common in that that the eras that we went through and all of the different stuff and rock and roll I think is very similar to comedy you know and especially the 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 sort of time period that we're going in it's it was really interesting to be a woman to see all of the different changes and well, it's you're very pretty weird. good at it I mean you certainly have said some 
very bold things in the context <laughs> of comedy, you know, and that I guess is what makes, you know, comedy so precious and necessary in our society. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can get away with saying stuff that me as a musician can't really get away with without getting absolutely lambasted, you know, being told to shut up and mm-hmm. sing instead. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I'm an outspoken woman. I really believe in protecting young women. Yeah. You know, who are coming up who perhaps don't know as much as older women do, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Although I feel like the young generations currently are really switched on and they're not going to put up with the kind of shit that we did, that That's our generation true. did. Well, I learn a lot from younger people and that, that um, now I think also it kind of keeps me young is if I'm talking to younger people. They're just so, they're so much better like at kind of deciphering things and understanding things which is amazing I think because they grew up with a culture that was all switched on and they had their phones and they could like find out about stuff much more easily um you know we had a different kind of a life where I would I I mean if you liked a band you would have to find out where they were playing in the newspaper or watch on tv I mean, think about how... Yeah, like, you found them in listings. Yeah. You didn't even know what they looked like. No, no. Or you would have to go to a record store and listen or look at pictures and maybe decide from the pictures or... I don't know. Like, is that, is that <laughs> how, yes. How did we do that? We, I, I think I decided by looking through vinyl, you know, and looking at pictures and, and front covers and thinking, that looks cool. Who are they? Yeah. You know, I'll go to that gig if it ever comes <laughs> around, you know. I mean, it was a amazingly different time. Yeah. Like who would who would you go see in Edinburgh? Would you go? Well, would bands come to like the Corn Exchange, and they would have like would they be, bell the bands? Margaret come? throwing down some local I, knowledge. I, the Corn Exchange. <laughs> I saw lots of bands at the Corn Exchange. I um, but where did you where did you go see bands? Places that are no longer that no longer exist. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I went to see the Clash. I saw Ooh. the Pogues. I saw Ooh. Susie and the Banshees. Ooh. I saw Toya Wilcox. The oh, Smiths. I, loved, I saw a I lot love, of amazing bands. I love Toya. Toya is great. Toya is great. great. Have you ever interviewed her? I have not interviewed Toya. I would love to. You know, she's married to Robert Fripp. Oh, I didn't know From King Crimson, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, she's remarkable. She's still kicking around too. That's awesome. Yeah. She's in um, Quadrophenia. That's right. Yeah. 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 I uh, I love that movie and I I do I all of those bands I love uh, did you now did you vibe with the uh, Glasgow musicians as well like I guess it would be Altered Images or Blue Nile or um, Lloyd Cole or my God Margaret you're taking me back into the <laughs> vortex I like but it I love all these bands um, and I've met I've I've met Claire Grogan from the Altered Images I know Paul Buchanan from the Blue Nile I mean Scottish artists tend to know each other just because the culture I mean we're so such a small island yeah. But there was a lot of competition back then that was quite ugly, I think. Not necessarily between those bands in particular, but Edinburgh bands and Glasgow bands did not mix. And Edinburgh bands with other Edinburgh bands didn't mix. So Mm -hmm. there was a lot of competition, you know, when you come from a tiny island. That's the thing I love about LA is you come here and all the musicians, sweeping generalisation, of course, but for the most part, everyone wants to help you out. And there's mm-hmm. an incredible fraternity here of musicians that I find to this day, and I've been here a long time now, I'm amazed by how generous everyone is. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's is wonderful. It the same in the, I mean, I can't imagine that being a comic must be so tough. It is and it's not. It's it's weird because it's like, uh, it's, it's sort of something that we're able to do. And then if we don't do it, uh, it feels weird. And so like, I always think like, oh, well, I have to do it or else I'll lose my nerve. And so it's just basically the like getting used to doing it and continuing to do it for 30 plus years, not ma- making too much time 
lapse in between or else the fear becomes greater and greater and greater and then you could just may never be able to go back and do it you know because it's such a huge kind of undertaking i think to go up in front of people and to make them laugh it's like this thing so i i've never taken enough time off where it's become intimidating again so but it's something you have to keep doing sure of course i think why are you funny i don't know i think it's also uh a, a kind of a coping mechanism and so then when you are enduring something that you want to laugh about it because that sort of makes it a little bit easier to handle and then um you start to sort of build uh, an ability to manipulate it and then you want to show it off sure so that's part of it. yeah human control <laughs> yeah i think so and does it, i mean sorry to ask you all these questions no, really it's nosy but I'm assuming it turns you on to make people laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really does. It really does. And does it protect you from people asking you questions and things like that? Yeah, because it buys you time so that you can you can also feign um, a kind of intimacy that doesn't really exist. Because if you're like keeping somebody laughing and off balance, that they're not going to really investigate too much further. So it keeps people at a distance that's safe. Do you think most comedians have intimacy issues or no? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's why um, their sense of humor is developed because it keeps it keeps them in a power position. And it also, um, so there's like fewer surprises in the relationship, really. Ooh, it's very hard to open up comics. It's hard to get through to who they really are. And then when you do, it, it's, um, it's often not that pretty. But that, that, that's I guess what I learned from being in relationships with comics like I figured it out like oh don't date other comics but it took yeah, me yuck. about 20 years yeah ghastly. and then I fucked all of them and then I'm like oh I got to the end and I was like oh no <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's yeah, ghastly I, it is ghastly do, I think that's the same for musicians it's, it's hideous yeah and do you see I don't know why I'm stepping into it that's I'm good. asking you so many questions I'm so sorry I like it but do you see an acceleration of women getting into comedy compared to like again I go back to the 90s there weren't mm-hmm. really that many female Mm-mm. comics no it's true no there's a lot more there's a lot more but there is still uh it's still we're still outnumbered but I think it's because men in comedy really nurture each other and there's a community of men that's sort of a brotherhood that they really it is a very male profession and and they have a a sort of um paternalistic attitude it's almost like they're it's like they're sailors or something you know they kind of go off to you know sea and you know like share their experience yeah and but women are kind of we're all kind of on our own and i think the reason do you think that's changing sort of it's a little bit better there's a lot more of connection with women comedians have because there's so few of, but there's still few the the women that are successful oftentimes are gay because they just don't care what men think and so their 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 uh you know opinion of men is is so diminished that they don't need the company of men to survive you know in any any way and so they they sort of always shoot up and go forward it's it's a weird thing. Oh, that's another comedian I really love is Tig Notaro. Oh, yeah, she's great. She's really great because yeah. she is totally thinks in a way that I don't even, I don't know how Her she... Her documentary is fascinating. Yeah, she's brilliant and, yeah. and just thinks in a, a different way. But she's somebody that I really admire when I, when I watch her sort of figuring out jokes or writing new material or whatever it is. It's just always, to me, really inspiring. Do, do you think it's harder for straight women to be funny in adverted commas because it doesn't feel like they're coming from such a sort of 
place of, I mean, in a way, comedy is always coming from a place of lack. Is that mm-hmm. fair to say? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it feels like when you've got straight women being funny, they just aren't really that funny because it feels like they haven't had quite as many challenges in a way. Is that fair to say or is I that really... Know. I don't know. I Am I being cancelled right now? No, <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's I think it's like... Um, like, what is that? I don't know. It's... Um, I'm not sure. What I do know is that, like, uh, when a really beautiful woman is on stage as a comedian it's really hard for her to get the trust of the audience. Nobody wants to be on her side because everybody hate it. There's a, it's like the internalized misogyny that exists in society. When a, a there's a beautiful woman there, there's all of these ex, ex, assumptions made about her. Like her life is easy. Uh, what does she have to tell us? There's nothing that I'm going to gain from this, whatever it is. And then, um, so she has to really prove herself like a million times over as a comedian in order to get, there a lot of I think a lot of women aren't just don't want to do that <laughs> I think that that's something that it's like a very tough thing so that's one thing that I notice about really beautiful women who have it really tough like when Sarah Silverman first started it was really hard for her yeah I still to, think it's quite hard for her it's she's hard so beautiful she's so beautiful and it, it's like well now it's more she's proven herself now but it did take it, in the so beginning long, yeah. it was really hard and and she's such a genius and it's like it, it it's certainly something it is like a, it's like a handicap which is a very weird thing because it never would beauty would never be a handicap in any other industry or any other i think beauty is a handicap though mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. in other areas i, I feel know. it is mm-hmm. i guess even in acting i like i did an acting class once and i remember there was a, a beautiful girl in my class that nobody would really collaborate with because mm. they were so intimidated by her beauty and Mm-hmm. And I remember asking her, Natalie, you know, is it difficult being beautiful? Mm-hmm. And she looked me straight in the eye and she went, you know what? Nobody's ever asked me that before. <laughs> and yes, sometimes it's really, really difficult. Yeah. It's difficult to make friends. It's difficult to get jobs. Yeah. Which I thought was that really curious. That's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Because I, I, just, I just never, I guess I wouldn't have ever thought about it like that. But I, I, do, I do think that uh, there is a part of us that resents beauty yeah that is is deeply um like resentful and angry at this i this assumption that they may have it better but nobody has it better of course not you know but what a weird like a what a weird circumstance to be like so beautiful that it's just well let me tell you what it's like margaret (laughs) (laughs) it's like it's weird it's a very yeah it's a weird thing to think about because um yeah, it's just something that I've never come across or, or... I like talking about it, though, because I think there's lots of young people, male, female, and everyone in between, who feels hopeless because they're not beautiful. And mm-hmm. I am always saying, beauty is not necessarily what you think it is. It's not right. It's not your entry card into the club. Mm-hmm. It's like, actually not being beautiful is so much to your advantage so often. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's impressed upon people in, in our culture enough. No, it's true. You know, it's like, don't be don't be so despondent that you're not the most beautiful girl or man in class. It's like, there's mm-hmm. so much more out there because you're not this sort of perfect thing yeah yeah and the the often that beauty is at a great cost to the person you know whatever it always, is I always think. yeah always um no I know that uh, I had a boyfriend once he was he was really gorgeous and um 
And people were often really shitty to him, like really mean. And it was weird because, you know, you would think like everybody would just be in love or do whatever. But people were very deeply resentful of his beauty. The most beautiful man that I ever slept with was the most dull fuck I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and he had a perfect body. And I remember just thinking, this body is so perfect. But the sex was dreadful and it was Aww. so unerotic. And yeah. I don't know. He was hard, literally. His body was hard because he had no body fat or anything. Mm-hmm. And so it was a really good... It was a, I don't know why I've gone into this that's good, arena. That's good, that's um, But it was always sort of like such a relief to be with somebody that was a little soft in the middle and wasn't perfect. Yeah. It's really unerotic, I think, being around that kind of hard gym body. Was, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't that's know. That's an excuse I like to tell myself well, anyway. I, I don't think it, it's erotic to me. Like, it's just not really my... Um, I, like a, I like a soft Byronic... Uh, you know, what like, does Byronic mean? Like, like Lord Byron, Oof. like kind of soft and romantic poet, like the the romantic, <laughs> like an a 19, no, I an, you to say. an eighteen fifties body. I wow. like, you know, like uh, one that's like got you know on um, cognac and laudanum and <laughs> all those delicious like Victorian things. It's amazing. This is not what I expected coming out of your mouth at yeah. all. Sweet meats, Byronic, sweet meats. <laughs> I like that kind of a look. You know, <laughs> really, really soft, uh, pale skin. That that to me is really lovely. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not into the Byronic look. It's, yeah, it's it's definitely, but it's definitely like, I, I think, yeah, people that are really beautiful are hard to have sex with because <gasps> there's something about it that's just, I don't know, that, that you really want to keep your eyes open and like <laughs> looking because this is like um, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, your eyes are looking. You're not feeling anything. You're just <laughs> looking. Because you're just like, this is, it's kind of cinematic, but it's also, I don't know. I'm not sure what it is, yeah. but it's like, a, it's like a distrust. It must be. Maybe something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. But I am fascinated by the distrust of beauty and how... You want all this beauty, at least when I was young. It was all I thought about, really. And then as I've gotten older, I'm I'm so grateful that I wasn't bogged down with those kind of pressures. It must be really hard. Well, I don't know because you're age, very you know? you're very beautiful. So I I would I would think that you would have had the other experience because I, I I would think that you I just photograph well. No, you're no. Very... I mean, I'm not being cheap. I mean, I I hate when I hear people who are good looking go on and on about how ugly ugly they are it's so tedious um but you know I do photograph well and I've been really lucky but you know I'm under no illusions as to you know and again I'm 53 you know I mean it's like it's a whole new world stepping into middle age as a singer I mean Mm -hmm. holy smoke again I I, as a comedian I suspect it's actually to your uh, to your what's the word it's not the opposite no it's, it's an good advantage, yeah. it is it's good uh for a musician like me it's it's a complete disadvantage and it's very surreal and strange and sort of wonderful and I'm very grateful though that I wasn't so married to this idea of being perfect and beautiful I think I must be I don't know how perfect and beautiful people age mm. I don't I, it's a it's, it's gotta be to yeah me. it's it's very it's gotta be really hard because then you're like you're leaving behind basically the so, so this Thing that people value your greatest currency right yeah that would be hard but i think that it's actually wonderful to age as a musician i i would think like easy as for a you singer. to say margaret Cho. <laughs> <laughs> i'm joking but it's but it, especially with all of the success and all of the uh, the thing about your success too is that there's it's in a very deep 
like gravitas because the the music is so good and so lasting and important. So it's it's not like it's like um a a fast fame or sort of of the moment fame. It's you know a very very big deal. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'd go that far, but thank you very much. Yes. I'm I'm going to take that little loop and play it over and over in my car when I'm feeling blue. But <laughs> um, I can't quite believe that I've managed to maintain a career this long. I mean, you must feel the same way too. I mean, the the statistics are so against us. Yeah, it's true. Was it hard being like one of the first Asian comics, female comics I, of all time? I guess. I guess. But it's also when you're different in entertainment it's also works to your advantage sure. so it's like there was a lot of positive things about that too even though it was like trying to emerge in in a world where you didn't exist mostly it was like trying to to break through my own biases of like i can't do that when you just do it and then you see so and was your ethnicity part of your work or did you because we came again we emerged at such a different time was that just something you put on the back boiler and that just I mean of course it would have come into your work and your yeah. life but yeah was that something that was important to you like where you came from who you were the color um, of your skin the way you looked you I don't know? know I well it was something that I had to uh I had to explain to an audience that the the reason why I was there so that was part of it so it was kind of like the introduction of like well this is I know I'm different and then, then explaining that and trying to create um a monologue around identity that would sort of just work as an introduction so I could get past that and move on and was there awareness that you were one of the a major pioneer yeah 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 you yeah, were totally sure. 100% aware oh yeah, yeah yeah right from the start yeah yeah because you had no one to emulate correct right so there was nobody that I could have like sort of walked in their footsteps or, you know, so that that definitely felt real. Like that's that's right, you know, and that that's good, too, because now I look and there's a lot of comedians that have credited me with inspiring them, which is really great. You know, Lovely, that's yeah. that's the whole point of doing anything. It's like, oh, if you know, if you could be like the the inspiration, then that's the best work. Of course. That's the best of all. Yeah. So. Well, the torch is handing down the torch. Yeah. yeah. And being um, gracious enough to hand it off. That's that's really it's hard, important. Though, don't you think? Mm -hmm. But it's also like a like, relief. What is that to you? Like, yeah, tell, speak a bit about that. Because I always <laughs> think that's so fascinating. What do you mean it's a relief to it's a hand relief off your torch? Because it's like I uh, was, I did all of this and now somebody else can carry it forward and further and so it's a very um I think it's really gratifying and that's a really good thing like there's something that's really sickening about uh somebody who tries to hang on to sort of those former glories and and it's really um it's really scary it's like that movie Sunset Boulevard yeah and my like, favorite movie isn't it a great movie yeah. and and Norma Desmond cannot let move go forward and she has to sort of stay in her house and and play those card games and you know it's it's like she can't pass on this great treasure that she has because she thinks that's her only glory and it's 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 just it withers everything and and so 
It's like when I, I was reading about um, Chevy Chase being very uncharitable towards Donald Glover at the SNL, uh, big 40th year anniversary, wow. and just being really awful to him out of sheer jealousy and, and rage. Or and a beautiful Donald Glover who we all love. Yeah, and how undignified that looks and how um, cheap, how it cheapens the gift that you've been given, you know, if you can't pass it along to who deserves it next, you know, and that's really, you know, it's unnatural. Yeah, interesting. Do you mentor other comedians? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's partially the nature of comedy is that you end up doing that and i i was able to receive that from people like jerry seinfeld and um uh oh joan rivers of course um in, in an unbelievable way you know really really loving way are there singers that you we should be looking out for that you like that you that are new that we haven't seen oh i'm sure there's a million and one young i mean i love kelsey lou and i don't understand how she hasn't just exploded i mean she's she's exploding but she hasn't exploded in the way that i thought she would she made a really great record and she's so talented but there are so many great artists currently mm -hmm. it's it's dizzying yeah I, can't, I literally cannot keep up yeah um and making exciting records and sounds and i love jenny beth from savages in the uk like mm. i think she's like a superstar mm -hmm. um so there's there's a billion and one yeah. artists um that i and it's hard because of course sometimes you know there's a frustration as you get older as a musician you know there's just certain things that are no longer open to you and you just have to accept it mm -hmm. again I think it's different for you as a comedian mm -hmm. um, because again I think as a, as you get older it is to your advantage and you have this gravitas and experience but uh, you know for me there's just certain doors that I have to accept are closed to me yeah and so sometimes you see things and you think fuck you know mm -hmm. um, if only I was 20 years younger but Again, I think I think you cripple yourself if you get to the point where you can't enjoy young people and their talent and their and like you said earlier, their wisdom. You know, the, I try and learn as much from young people as possible, whilst also remembering that they are young and they don't know mm -hmm. and they must be protected. Yes, you know, because I think there's a certain attitude nowadays where we forget how young some of our talents are mm -hmm. and we treat them really poorly mm -hmm. and with little respect and yeah I think a lot a lot about that with with cancel culture like you were talking earlier I think a lot of young people are very quick and I take on board what you were saying which I think is actually really interesting that it's a way of pushing our culture forward and, and our thinking forward but I also think with young people they're very black and white the way I was and then mm -hmm. of course as I'm getting older and older the more nuanced I my thinking is and yeah. with regards to things and I just try and keep it all the balls all up in the air so that I don't become completely rigid because I think when you become rigid you become a poor artist you know yeah but it's very hard as you get older to want to keep expanding your horizons keep learning I mean I, I'm always wanting to learn and push myself and be uncomfortable because mm -hmm. that's all you do when you're young right and that's how you learn and it's how you are in tune with what you should be doing as an artist but it's it gets harder and harder because you get lazier and lazier and you like comfort and yeah. you know I love comfort I love being on a couch with my dog mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you know I know watching Netflix yeah. that's what I love I do too but I have to force myself to go out and try and experience the world still so that I don't become you know rigid and yeah. then I'll break when somebody touches me don't break <laughs> 
I'll try not to They're be great. rich. So where are you going touring? Are you oh, going to God tour knows. everywhere? Um, we're touring North America with Amazing. Alanis Morissette and Liz Fair. Oh I'm my God, that's pretty great. Excited about. Yeah, it's very 90s. It's very 90s That's package. a great, that's a great bill. It's a power bill. Amazing. Yeah. That's I, amazing. So, um, and they're both really great women and yeah, yeah. smart and funny and yeah. so it should be fun. Oh, I love it. That's a great show. Yeah, it's a great I, show. I would like, I would just die. I mean, that sounds really exciting. Well, I'm sure you could hit me up for some tickets. I want to I'm sure I could swing a few for okay. you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm we're in the studio right now. So that's what we're up to. Mm-hmm. Um, where can people find you? Uh, you have a podcast too. <laughs> I do. I can't believe it. It's I know. crazy. I want to, I want to be music on, I want to be on it. Yes. Well, you need to make a record first. Yes. And then you can be on it. Okay. Write, write a song I will and then we'll discuss how you make it for sure I would love to have you on That'd my podcast that'd be great I would love it um, it's the, the wildest thing I've ever done I've really loved it it's mm-hmm. because much like you I'm always on the end of the microphone being asked questions yeah. and so to actually get to be with people artists that I love uh, to sit there and speak with them and learn from them has been the I would say one of the greatest like joys in my life and been such a gift I, can, mm-hmm. I, I actually cannot believe this has happened to me in my life yeah because I've sat down with some amazing artists and learned so much about the art of songwriting, the art of being an artist. Mm-hmm. You know, that in itself is, it really is, the art, there is an art in, like required to practice when you're an artist, no yes. matter whether you're a comedian, a dancer, an opera singer, or whatever. And yeah, so I've really loved it and I've met some incredible artists that mm-hmm. have blown my mind. I mean, I sat down with George Clinton. Amazing. You know, and he's... What an incredible person, yeah, you know, and what a phenomenal career, yeah, and what a massive, great talent and spirit. It was just, it was joyous. That's great. And you know, this is somebody who was writing for Motown. You mm-hmm. know what I mean, it's like crazy. Mm-hmm. So yes, yes, I have my own podcast. It's called The Jump. I love it. And then, <laughs> where can people find you on the socials? You're always out there on the socials. I well, just on at garbage is usually where I'm at. Um, I do all the socials because my band just are not interested at yeah. all, really. Uh-huh. Um, and I have an energy for it and a, a dwindling appetite for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love being in contact with with people. Yeah. I, like, I love people. I'm really yeah. fascinated by people. And I love I love what I've learned from the fans over the years, even when they school me, you mm. know, and they often school me. And it can sometimes be uncomfortable and sometimes I get very cross. Mm-hmm. But in general, I like being schooled. I like being taught. I like being told, you know what, you're wrong here and here's why. Mm-hmm. And I, I wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have learned so much about certain things that are imperative to my existence now had I not been on social media, even yeah. though it's really annoying. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. But it's it's something that is important too. I don't it's know important. if it's important, but I think if you're into it, then yeah. so be it. Yeah. Yeah. Although I think it's always good to have Twitter in, in, in cases of emergency. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I'm so glad. Well, yeah. thank you so much. Thank you, Margaret Cho. This has been a joy. You're thank awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. No, you're awesome. You're awesome. <laughs> How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, People that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. And now we talk to the incredible Bria Butcher. When did you get a, far, a first get a smartphone? A smartphone? I think it, so. I'm a person who like I like love technology. So I got mm-hmm. I got in very early on an on the iPhones when they came out. Okay. So I had one on. I think it was still singular, mm-hmm. or it was like switching from singular to AT and T. So mm-hmm. I had a very early iPhone in 2007 when okay. they first came out. But I didn't have a BlackBerry or anything like that beforehand. Mm. I had only flip phones you know and yes. t9 texting and stuff like that that was that yes. was it yes it was very hard to text i would get like a cramp in my uh fingers oh, because yeah. um you would have to press all the buttons just to make a letter just to, yeah so but I, I, yeah. I got very good at it though mm-hmm. and i will say i was i don't i no longer do this but i was very good at texting and driving because i could you could feel where the things were Mm-hmm. You didn't have to look at the phone to do it. And right. you could be like, yes, very, I could text yes very easily while still driving. I was mm. a young person and making bad decisions. And I, I don't do that anymore. So then you could probably do Morse code. <laughs> yeah, right. Just <laughs> blinking <laughs> with my eyes. Yeah, like you could definitely do that. <laughs> sure. I mean, um, I had a, a Blackberry uh, and um, very, uh, like, kind of late, probably like 2007. Yeah. So right. I got a BlackBerry then. BlackBerry Pearl? Yeah. Nice. And um, I was in Canada with uh, Tegan and Sarah, mm-hmm. and it broke. The The screen broke. and the, Not the screen, but the keypad. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Sarah popped out the ball. Wow. And then popped it back in. And it was really like a clitoris. <laughs> you know, the ball, yeah, uh, the rolling sure. ball was very clitoral. Oh, yeah. And I didn't realize it until she had like popped it out. And I was yeah. like, oh. Oh. Okay. <laughs> um, but she, she knew how to uh, handle the, the Blackberry Pearl. <laughs> yeah, of course she did. <laughs> but it was very funny. Um, That's wild. But the debris would collect under the pearl Ooh. of the blackberry, so you would really see kind of the grossness. Yeah. Early, early grossness, realizing how gross a phone is. Oh yeah, very so gross. It's There's, really gross. I, I dropped some guacamole on the back of my phone, and oh. I had the impulse last night at Cobb's, and I had the impulse to lick it off, and I was like, No, 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 don't ever do that. Don't do that. Yeah, I, I mean, was just on a plane. Yeah, it, there's so many things that can collect on there. I mean, I actually don't disinfect my phone ever. I should. Sure. But I, I it mean. It feels like it's a fool's errand, though, because as soon as you disinfect it, you set it down be, and it's just like. It's going to be picking up whatever. Yeah. Um, I kind of freak out sometimes when they go to an ATM with a Petri dish <laughs> and they uh, capture all the bacteria and grow it. Uh, yeah. On the uh, keypad. Oh, uh, oh, uh, uh. <laughs> I feel like we're super. I mean, that is the wild thing that I try to keep in mind. And I say this with, I, I try not to say this like glibly, but like we do live at the, we, we are currently living at the greatest time to be alive because so, yeah. of all of that. I mean, like 
the fact that we can survive all that stuff, mm-hmm. petri dishes on ATMs and everything yeah. that's going, everything yeah. is beyond comprehension. Like if yeah. you had a time machine and you just went back even a hundred years and you said any of a million things that are going on right now that we are surviving, mm-hmm. people would be like, I mean, they'd be amazed. We died at an alarming rate until very recently. Right. It's so true. <laughs> you know, for things that now we like scoff at, you know, that we, yeah. we can't even comprehend. Yeah. You know? But I think that um, life seemed longer then because there were less activities. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you worked six days a week, and then on the seventh day, you went to church. That was all you did. That was all you that did. That was all you did. And then, um, so we just, all we had was like string instruments and <laughs> sure. the farmer's almanac. Yeah, right. And um, and so I feel like time <laughs> spread out. Time may have yeah. sort of like seemed longer. Yeah, absolutely. Please like, call this episode String Instruments and the Farmer's <laughs> Almanac. <laughs> But that's all we had. I, yeah, it's true. You know, like, well, now time is compressed because we can't um, have even a second unaided by a phone. Sure, yeah. Or a Google fact uh-huh. that we need to oh, Lord. look up. Yeah. I mean, I are you a person that's, like, trying to break out of that? Because I've, I've been, I feel like I've spent the last, I don't know, two to three years really trying to pull away from that. You know? is well, that- I think that because I remember a day where you uh if you wanted to go see a show you would have to get a newspaper yeah and then look it up yeah and then circle it with a pencil yeah and then call a friend on a landline and remember it and remember <laughs> it. and yeah go uh to the show and you didn't know if your friend was going to be there but you yeah. made an arrangement a week yep. before right and they would either be there or they or wouldn't they wouldn't and then it wouldn't like devastate you if they weren't no you were there and yeah. you put all this effort into it and you're there and you're enjoying it <laughs> yeah and, i mean i remember calling yeah. on landlines to figure out how to get somewhere you know, like yes. to a place I wanted to go and asking that place, hey, where are you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, and then, that's great. Like, I remember a moment where I called a place to ask them how to get to them after phones and direction, you know, like MapQuest and everything mm-hmm. had already existed for a while. And they were so upset with me that I was. It was also like a very, it was an anarchist vegan cafe oh, in God. Portland in like 2008. Oh, God, you know. But it was like <laughs> just right, the perfect moment for the, because like, Saying that now, I'm like, if if I called an anarchist vegan cafe uh-huh. today and asked yeah. them how to get there, I feel like they would be like, oh, ab- they would be so stoked. Right. Because I would be, you know, not doing the phone. Right. But in that moment, the, the, the belief system of an anarchist was you should know how to get here. Right. Which is so fascinating it's to me. It's really interesting. Know? And I've found old printed out map quests of like oh, yeah, yeah. going to places without the address on it. And I'm just like, and then having like extra directions because the map quest wasn't super accurate and like yeah it's just wild to think of how much our brains are shifting and i i'm not fully pessimistic about it you know i think there's because like not not every it's just the people that i see zombified on their phones like i see them Mm -hmm. i don't I'm trying to be more mindful of seeing the people who aren't doing that. Right. Because there's actually a lot more people who aren't doing that. Yeah. And I mean, I think that I do think technology has improved our lives, especially for comics, because um, I would get lost and I've even missed a gig or two because they gave me the wrong directions. Sure. Yeah. Did you um, do the sort of rental car, uh, get to one location, do a Mm -hmm. show and then do a bunch of shows? Driving around. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. hard. It is hard. It's very difficult. Especially without GPS. Yeah, absolutely. So doing that without GPS and kind of trying to get places was very, yeah. 
difficult. Now, sure. where, where did you start doing comedy? I started doing stand-up in Chicago, mm-hmm. but I'm not from Chicago. I'm from um, Akron, Ohio. Okay. So I, I was born and raised in Akron and then um, left there uh, after college to go to grad school mm-hmm. in South Bend, Indiana. Oh, okay. In, um, at Notre Dame. And then I moved from there to Chicago and then kind of bounced back and forth a little bit. But then in about 2009, I started doing improv. I started taking an improv class, mm-hmm. just kind of... Honestly, out of not spite, not full spite, but just like somebody else was taking it in my orbit. And I was like, I'm funnier than them. I should be taking this. Mm -hmm. And luckily they already started. So I didn't have that sort of um, crutch of going in the class with anybody I knew. And it was like kind of one of the biggest like chances I took, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and wanted to do it, but wasn't like, this is going to change my life. But also was like, this is going to change my life. You know, like all the things at the same time. Of course. And like met so many people. Like luckily, our that the first class I was in, like many people were really into it. Mm-hmm. Even though some of the people that were really into it were like, "Yeah, I'm just really into it because I like it." Yeah, you know. And then some people were like, "Yeah, I want to do this." Mm-hmm. You know, it was like a nice crew of people that I'm still like in contact with. Yeah. Today, That's and that good. was you know, eleven years ago. That's great. But doing those classes because in Chicago it's very divided mm-hmm. improv and stand up. Like yeah. you don't do both, and if you do both, you're not you're an improviser like yeah you can't you know the like sort of feeling of of it is like if you do improv you're not a stand-up like right. you're just not you have to be pure and never do this which is silly mm-hmm. it's a silly it thing is, it but is. it sticks in here sometimes and but i'm grateful that i did it because it got me comfortable um taking chances and in front of people yeah that's in really a good small group and you need those improv skills when you're doing stand-up comedy because oh, you don't sure. know what's going to happen not at all like, like i did no... set lists last night and oh god for the first I, that time show was so like... hard i think yeah. what did you get what what are the um uh one of them was like three types of serial killers i support and it was only until <laughs> the end that i found the thread you know uh-huh. of like i turned it into um like i was paying serial killer support <laughs> you know, like it took me till the end to find it because, like, that those chops just aren't there the way that you know, like watching somebody like Greg Proops or like Eliza Skinner was on it last uh-huh. night, and Eddie Pepitone and Mike Kaplan, and and there was somebody else that I missed, but um, oh, Daniel Van Kirk, like they all have done it a bunch of times, and yeah. so they have that skill set, and it's really amazing to watch them do it. It is. I I get really uh, when I've done it, I've gotten so um just upset. Because like I figured out what it what I should have said like oh, hours yeah. after. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it takes my brain much longer. Like this longer. morning, I'm like, now I've got the whole set for this whole thing. <laughs> but it's so yeah. exasperating. But yeah. I mean, I think it's a good challenge. Oh, for sure. And like the audience is up for it. Yeah, so they love it. They don't like. That's the thing that I keep trying to. No, people don't really want to see you fail. And if no, they do, no. then like they're in the wrong place. And the, those not are not like, the people yeah. that you play to. No. You know, like it's. I was doing a show a while ago and this guy was like, oh, I can see, he was like, I was doing a guest on somebody else's show, so it was the feature, and he was like looking out into the audience and you could see like the front and second row, like just a little bit of them. Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh man, I can see the people who are gonna hate me. And I was like, you don't know that. No, they don't. You literally don't know that. But I mean, I only said that to him because like I've thought that too. Uh And like, it's not that he's wrong. It's Mm -hmm. just like, don't, 
don't think that. No, you they, can't go into any situation thinking, trying to find yeah. the people that are going to make your life. Terrible. No, that's not going <laughs> to. That's not, and then that's not the right way to look at it. And then that's not ever yeah. what happens. No, you never know. It's not the open way to look at it, and you don't no. ever know. And then I told him that, and then he went on stage and he was like, "You were right. Those people loved it." I was like, yeah. "See." See, they don't, you can't tell what people are going to like from the way they look. And why no. would they be there? It takes so much effort for no. me to go anywhere. Yeah. I'm going to love everything I go to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have to put so much time into things. You have to pay for it. Like, and sit in the front. Like It takes front. a lot to actually get to sit in the front. And then yeah. if I'm going to all that effort, I'm going to love it. Absolutely. I, do, I, don't, I don't think I've ever gone to anything that I hated. I never. No. <laughs> I think I've, I, I mean, I've, there have been a, like, I would say a ha- not even a handful of movies that I've been like I hate this, very you know? rarely. Yeah, I don't think I've even walked out on one. No, I've always stuck out a movie, and then there have been movies that have been like I can't believe I just had to, you know. But yeah. like it's very very rare. It's rare. I was close to walking out of a movie that I was surprised to walk, oh, but it was so long. It was um, the house that Jack built. This mm. is the. Um, it's the Lars von Trier, Matt Dillon movie where he is a serial killer yeah. uh, without support. Sure. But um, the uh, I there was a part where it was so uh, just misogynistic that I was like, yeah. I don't know if I could say, and I actually like Lars von Trier sure. and I like Matt Dillon and, uh, you know, and then I thought, oh, well, this is a good combination. And it was only playing one day. Because uh-huh. it it also upset pe- like a lot sure. of people. Yeah. So they were showing it, it out for one day hours. at, Le- at Lemley, <laughs> and um and then I was like, oh well, I waited in line. It was like, I th- I I had to calculate all the effort that it took to get to see this because I had yeah. to wait in line. I had right. to buy a ticket that had to um go on the one day. Yep. To clear my schedule. Yeah. For three hours. Yeah. So I couldn't even bear to walk out. Couldn't do it. No. Yeah. No. It's tough. It's like a yeah. So yeah, everybody's gonna love what you're doing yeah and then so what else are you doing here at Sketchfest? um tonight which is saturday i'm doing a headlining spot at the brava theater oh great that's a great theater yeah right yeah um i haven't done it before so i'm looking forward to that and then i'm doing a fake ted talk after that back at Cobbs. oh that's great i put no time into it well what do you mean a fake ted talk it's like yeah it's like a pretend i I hesitate to use the word sarcastic because that is a little bit negative but i think it's like poking fun so doing Mm -hmm. a ted talk about something silly well you or um, a silly approach to a ted talk you should have already done a ted talk right i mean have you done an actual ted it's weird who they pick it is weird who i've not i've not done one either i wouldn't say that here's the thing about me i wouldn't say that i'm incredibly academic about any of the things that i do Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and like i'm okay with that yeah yeah and i feel like i am enough for me but i don't right. know that i'm academic enough for uh ted talks well to get up it's, there and it's a very specific type of uh quirky um yet uh like well-informed uh-huh. yet educated but also um it, you know it, it, this sort of like it's othered but not sure. too othered yep. but not, <laughs> you know it's like yeah yeah it's a very specific kind of person that they look for which i think is is interesting but uh i do i do i do love the idea of your take on it well i appreciate that that's what do you, nice what do you say so do you have a subject or are you gonna say well for that? i think i'm gonna talk about procrastination no that's good because <laughs> that's something that i'm working on in my life but like um even it's not fully plastered, I would say. You know, right. not all the holes. And I don't know that you ever can fill all the holes. Right. You know, necessarily if you're living a life. And, like, just that's the one thing. But it, it doesn't mean... The thing that I would like to get to in it is that it doesn't mean that I don't care. It just means no. that I... Because I, 
Because the other side to me of procrastination is winging it, you know, and like right. the improvisation part of it. And it's mm-hmm. like, I have these basic ideas and I want to find something in the middle. Right. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Well, you know? the thing, the essence of procrastination also is it isn't that you're not preparing because you think about it the whole time. Yeah. It's not like it's not in your mind. Mm-hmm. It's just that you've not like concrete, like said, this is exactly what's going to happen. But yes. you think of all the possibilities. Yes. And that pro- procrastination actually gives you the time to think of all the possibilities. Yeah. So it's actually preparing on a deeper level. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, Margaret. I mean, I agree. I, I think that's what it is. And I, I procrastinate the, too. Yeah. The practice for me within my procrastination is not allowing the space between the things you're talking about to be filled with anxiety, mm-hmm. to fill the space between me and those possibilities with curiosity. Oh, yeah. Openness. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, willingness, like all those things of like, well, what could it be, you mm-hmm. know, and allowing for those things to come in That's really as opposed smart. to going, I'm not doing enough. I'm not figuring it out. Right. I need to do this. What am I not doing? I'm not good enough. You know, like I, I can tend to do that with procrastination. Yeah. And I think it's just a more positive exercise of yeah. it to just be like, cause I like what you're saying about, I haven't thought about it that way. The procrastination is like right. opening to possibilities of what yeah. it could be. Much more because you, you sort of start to like, your mind goes to the place where if I take this route, then it'll go like this. And uh-huh. then if I take this route, it'll go like this. And it's not deciding on any one. Yeah. So it is, it is like expanding your mind to it and being more mindful about sure. the outcome, mm-hmm. which I think is, is important. Yeah. So it doesn't have to have a negative bent, you know, not procrastination sounds like it's it negative, sounds, but it's not. Yeah. Kind of like I was saying with sar- sarcasm, it doesn't yeah. have to be negative. No, no, no. <laughs> no. I think that um, it's, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. So then, um, but I would never even consider you a, a procrastinator just because you're so action oriented. There's so many activities, a lot of shows, sure. a lot of traveling. Yeah. Lots. I mean, podcasting, stand up yep. comedy. It's a full life. It's a full life. Yeah. There's a lot to it. Mm-hmm. And then like all the other stuff that you're doing that people aren't seeing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you're like, I'm, I don't need to promote. That's the other thing with like being mindful of internet technology stuff is like, what, what parts of my life are are actually made for promotion Mm -hmm. you know like do i do i need to be promoting like i've been you know spending a lot less time on twitter Mm -hmm. um which has been fantastic yeah yeah yeah. and then also using instagram in a different way Mm -hmm. where like using the close friends thing that's on there oh okay and just going like yeah this is a thing that i want to share with people that i know yeah you know and like different levels of knowing Mm -hmm. but people that i have have relationships with Mm -hmm. you know and then like i like having you know a relationship with people who are fans of the things that i do yeah but i think that there's it's good to have like those spaces Mm -hmm. you know and it doesn't have to be all or nothing yeah you know you can do both of those things and i've found that it's just a lot more it's a more fulfilling use of the thing if i'm gonna use the thing like i should because i have a tendency too to be like very black and white like it's either all of my life or it's none of my life uh-huh. you know and it's like that's not for it, it's not good it's not sustainable right because you're gonna go back and then when you go back you fall in all the way again mm-hmm. for me at least mm-hmm. so this it's just been a, a a much better way of using it yeah you know? i think that's smart i think it's smart because it is kind of like uh your um there's par- parts of our lives that are for uh consumption by yes. the public and then yep. there's some that are just really that the cer- certain few people will understand oh yeah which i think is the right way to go about it oh yeah you know and it's different ideas it's sort of like 
slicing and getting curious and interested mm-hmm. for me about what does public mean you know yeah because like my friends are the public you yeah, know yeah, <laughs> like it's a public thing when yeah. it's because it's not that's no longer private mm-hmm. you know um and so yeah it's getting really curious about that and what the the possibilities of those relationships mm-hmm. whether it's you know public public or like friends public or all yeah, that stuff you that's know? cool yeah so then what's public for 2020 <laughs> um i mean public public in the grand scale sure yeah i mean let's see i'm you know stand up is the big one right now always, and then i'm yeah, like always. yeah i'm working on like there's a couple things i'm developing like a podcasty thing that mm-hmm. i'm developing or potentially working on and then like a unscripted series that i'm developing kind of trying to get that you know mm-hmm. um that's as public that as i think i can talk about those things just because yes. they're you know like it's not like ooh, it's a secret it's just like it's not a thing mm-hmm. yet so mm-hmm. <laughs> there's nothing to really talk about but i have uh, my baseball podcast that mm-hmm. many people feel they cannot listen to because it's a baseball podcast well it's a metaphor for everything but it's though. a metaphor for exactly. have you had Margaret, pro- you proofs on- <laughs> yeah i have yeah, and yeah he was on set list last night and um definitely want to have him back on i mean yeah. the great thing about having greg proofs on is you just press record and go hey greg and then so many things I just like hang out and listen you know and but it is a metaphor baseball's he he sort of taught me that i think that baseball's yeah. really just a metaphor for life oh There's yeah so for many life and things. america everything. and all everything and and i talk about a lot of other things on there too mm-hmm. on the at the beginning so you can come yeah. in and listen to the beginning and then skip out on the baseball stuff if you want yeah. to but and baseball's I, just a big part of my life it and, is yeah but i um it, when I was Butch, I was Butch briefly. I <laughs> sure. would carry all of my things. It's still in, in a, there, Margaret. It's still in there. Yeah. But I put all my things in a uh, baseball cap. That's oh, my lesbian clutch. I like it. I like that. <laughs> it's my Butch clutch. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think that, I mean, I think it's like one of those things where when people think sports, they just sure. don't think beyond, oh, it's like it's this. this. Which is the point of my podcast mm-hmm. is that it's not. And there's... I like that, that whatever that thing is that you think of that you're like, I don't like that. I also like that. You know, there are parts of that that I like. It's like all the parts and pieces are there. Like I, I'm, I'm not making this podcast or doing this thing or, or, or putting my voice out there because I don't think those other things should exist. Like the ESPNs mm-hmm. and the bar stools and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think they shouldn't exist. It's just like that we all can right. and that there's value in all of it. Absolutely. Know? And, and I don't even... I don't, I especially don't mean monetary value, you know, like there's value to everything, you're right. you know, and like a lot of guys listen to my podcast, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of non-binary people, a lot of women do, you know, it's like a lot of people listen to it because mm-hmm. um, they like it and they mm-hmm. listen to other things. It's mm-hmm. just feeding a different part of the whole thing. Yeah. You know, not everybody wants to listen to the same like data points over and over again right you know and it's also giving shape to um other arenas of queerness yeah oh yeah i think is really important yeah now you're saying like i think you're one of the first comedians that's um i've met that is identifying as Mm non-binary which is really cool i mean there's quite i think it's like quite a few people i know different artists sure relatively few comedians yeah i mean i think that there's going to be many mm-hmm. you know like yeah. i know that there are a lot of non-binary comedians out there that are like um you know what like i hesitate to say like the next generation or whatever mm-hmm. but like there will be so many more you know in right. like five years right on a level where we're knowing who they are and everything like that yeah just because like i interact with them on the internet all the time and mm-hmm. like they open for me and you know mm-hmm. it's like so it's cool. but i think 
yeah, in terms of uh, um, whatever the level is that I'm on, mm-hmm. yeah, there's not there's not as many, you know. Yeah, the um, my experience of like like coming out in like the 80s and 90s yeah. was there was um, the Stone Butch era. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Stone Butch is kind of like the, it's 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 Butch. I think a lot of um, them would be uh, transitioning, um, so it would be like a lot at that era. It was like a lot of like leather and BDSM, which it is again. Yeah, which is <laughs> which great. is so funny, which I love. And also, there's like so many interpretations of Stone Butch. You know, like yeah. it comes from uh, Leslie Feinberg's fiction mm-hmm. book. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, and like that person kind of transitions in that book too. You mm-hmm. know, not to spoiler alert, but um, and it's also like that book is is really it took me a I came to it very late mm-hmm. or I came to it exactly when I needed to yeah you know both things are true yeah and like that was like a fascinating it's such a well-written book yeah and it's a beautiful expression and it's a yeah. it's one of the first times where uh, gender expression really made sense to me uh-huh. in a way that I could feel because oh, I was yeah. always attracted to the stone butches I was always like that sort of femme side piece sure, kind yeah, of thing. Like right. that was like the perfect um, identity to crawl into as a younger person. Yeah. So, and now it, it it's also like, well, this actually makes sense. And, you know, we're talking about like female masculinity and mm-hmm. also being non-binary. It's, it's just very timely. Oh yeah. And I mean, I, yeah, I really, I really love that book and what it does because it doesn't, um, it's so open, mm-hmm. you know, if you read it, and you realize the things you're thinking are the things you're thinking because it's written for you to fill in a lot, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, I know it was like gonna maybe be a movie and like Leslie Funberg really did not want that. That was like one of their last dying wishes was mm. to not make a movie out of that. Yeah. And I think that it's really important because it's like this living, and I mean, all books are this, you right. know? But especially that book is like, when I really get into it and go like, oh, I'm putting myself into this mm-hmm. and like the way they wrote other people, like not, there's not like this description of the person as they enter the story. Like they enter mm-hmm. the story, you get to know them as a person and then you find out like, oh, this, oh, I didn't realize this was a black person, mm-hmm. you know? And like it's, and and because they wrote it as like, let's interact with these people mm-hmm. as people. And then it just unfolds in this way that's really, yeah. it's that beautiful. you can't visually do. Right. Because as human beings with with sight, uh, you see people before well, you interact yeah. with and them. And all of their um, their visual cues that give you a, a sense of like baggage, cultural baggage yep. that we all have coming into yeah. every story. Right. So yeah, in this amazing. book, it just it it releases that. Yeah. So it's kind of a very level ground it really that you is. approach everyone with. Yeah, it's really amazing, and it's I, really great. I I like to. Uh, bang the drum of that book because I didn't read it because it's called Stone Butch Blues because you read those words and you mm-hmm. come up with a story to it and you go like oh I don't want to read that because I remember thinking when I was younger like to not because I, I was trying to consume like queer literature and like theory and all that stuff as early as I found it and mm-hmm. that was one that I was like no because like mm-hmm. if I got that at the library or I went to Borders and bought it then the person would know yeah what would they know? I don't know. I don't know. But whatever it was, <laughs> I didn't want them to know. Yeah. And like it, my reading it would be my, my co-signing to something I didn't understand. But right. it's just like 
believing something to be something before I experience it. Yeah. You know? And that's like just a melting that you, it, I mean, that's what the book is about too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like a melting of yourself and like these walls we put up because we need to, mm-hmm. to survive. To, to survive and also to um, sort of protect our, our own selves from ourselves. Truly. You know, yeah. like it's like, I don't want to know the truth about who I am. Yeah. So I'm going right. to not pick this up or not I'm look not at, look at it. Yeah. yeah. Not gonna, and I'm not going to let anybody look no. at it. And then you're just very, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. painful. Like I'm not going to rent, um, personal best. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> not, yeah. Not gonna, I, I, yeah. I'm very like resistant to this, but it's, it's really important. I mean, okay. I want to know like where yeah. people can find out about your shows sure. and about you and your podcast and where, where do we go? Where should you go? Well, I have my podcast. It's called Three Swings. It's mm-hmm. on Forever Dog. And you can get, get it on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcast, Like, wherever you get podcasts. Um, and really give it a... I've had many people come up to me um, that are like, I hate baseball and I love your podcast. Many people are that are like, I didn't think I liked baseball. Now I like it and I like your podcast. So give it a shot. It's not, you know, it's not going to bore you to death, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> and then my tour dates are on my website, which is com, And I'm sometimes on Twitter mm-hmm. and uh, more often than not on Instagram. So just mm-hmm. find me on there. The handles are the same. R-H-E-A-B-U-T-C-H-E-R. My pronouns <laughs> are they, them. And like something that I've learned recently that I like to share too, that um, for anybody out there that's thinking about switching to they, them pronouns Mm -hmm. or switching their pronouns, changing them, telling people about them. When I have to correct, and I'm doing air quotes around that Mm because it's kind of a strong word, but like whenever I got to tell somebody like, oh, hey, I use they, them pronouns, by the way. Mm -hmm. And I usually try to do it that casually. Yeah. And then often people feel feel strange and then that comes out and i understand that you feel weird you feel like you did something wrong Mm -hmm. and people are like well i just you gotta you gotta be careful you gotta you gotta give me time you gotta this you gotta understand and i'm like i do yeah that's why i'm telling you right and also i care about our relationship otherwise i wouldn't be saying anything and i try to make it about the relationship because then people realize like oh this person cares about me that's why they're saying this which is great instead of like you're doing it wrong yeah you know it's like it's a lot it's about both of us in our relationship you know so anyway that's wonderful i'd like to share that thank you thanks for letting me do that thank you yeah perfect thanks margaret Never miss an episode of The Margaret Show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The Margaret Show is an Erios production with editing by Kat Hong and original music by Garrison Starr. Powered by ACAST. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.